Welcome back to Chit Talk, where we talk about really good shit. My name is Annika. And my name is Rithu. Follow us on our socials, here to Chit Talk and Instagram for sneak previews, audio clips, and more. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Let's dive in. This is so exciting. Thank you so much for supporting us and for listening and tuning in this week. And um, today we have a special guest. We have Emma Chu. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We're so, so thrilled to have you on board on this week's episode of Chit Talk, where we will be discussing food and culture. You may know Emma Chu as Vancouver Foodie on Instagram and YouTube. And we'll be chatting with her today about food and culture. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I've listened oh to God. quite a few of your podcasts already, so I'm pumped to be on it myself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excited to have you. Yeah, and we thought it would be a fun idea just to get warmed up a little bit and start with a rapid fire questionnaire to just Ooh. kick off our podcast. So we'll present two food items. I think like all three of us, we just pick one or the other. So sounds good. I like that. Yeah. Let's get started. Okay, pizza or pasta? <laughs> okay, pasta for me. I'm going to say pasta as well. Pasta, but today I think I'm craving pizza. Don't know why. Controversial. controversial. I know. (laughs) Um, Ice cream or cake? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah, ice cream for me too, actually. (laughs) Uh, Poke or sushi? Sushi. Sushi. Yeah, uh, I'm going to step out on this one and say poke. Ooh. Uh, Bubble waffle or bubble tea? Bubble tea. I'm yeah, bubble tea. For me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen our latest video? <laughs> yeah. No, but I will now. Dim sum or pierogies? Oh, dim sum. Because pierogies is just like potatoes, whereas dim sum is like so many different fillings. Yeah. I agree. It has like a good, like, especially uh, Xiaoling Bao's, they have like a good soupy, yeah. meaty bit on the inside. Oh, it's so good. My favorite are those salted egg yolk like Ooh, buns yes. oh they're mm-hmm. so good oh those are amazing yeah. they're so good those are okay ugh, okay um <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have started this, with this <laughs> rapid fire uh ramen or pho oh man i would say before i would have been in the ramen but now i've just totally went over to pho i don't know why yeah. oh interesting yeah what about you Rithu? Oh man, I uh, you know what? I have to say ramen. I love pho so much and like mm-hmm. I I there's a soft spot in my heart for it, but like ramen is just next level for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to have to go with Jinya ramen. It's pretty damn good, but also uh-huh. like I tried to have it as takeout and it didn't really hit the same. Oh, so no. I can't my wait. brother and my dad told me to. I ordered it for them. They're like, it's not the same. Like you said, <laughs> do they put a soup with the noodles right away? No, something? they don't. No, no it's separate. Have it separated. Yeah, but still, it just doesn't quite hit right, you know? Yeah. Okay, and finally, because we're based in Canada, poutine or beaver tails? Oh, my. Poutine. But, oh, beaver tails is great. Yeah. That's a very savory. Mm-hmm. it's a hard one yeah you know what i'm gonna pick poutine just because of fritz's downtown on Davie, mm. and they're so Yum. good they're so freaking good 
I can always catch you there like at a late night spot, <laughs> like after, after going out after somewhere, going like out, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Brit's time. It's like a regular routine for me. It's, it's like different. Hey, yeah, we're we're done with uh, going outside for drinks. Let's go get some poutine before we call it a night. Is it the gravy? Is it the cheese curds or is it? It's the, the topping. So I, like mm-hmm. they have so many different toppings to choose from and they you can get like you can also get vegetarian gravy and vegetarian mm. cheese, like the vegan cheese. So that's cool for people too. And they have um, sustainable packaging, which is something new that they started doing. Yeah, that's very yep. Vancouver. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So yeah, I think we'll just dive in to Emma's story and how you started your food blog. So when did you first start Vancouver Foodie? So this journey has been a, I would say lifetime journey. Um, But if you want it to be in a timeline sort of thing in logistics, Mm -hmm. I did start it seven years ago. um, But I've done it full time for three years now after since graduating from UBC, um, I've decided to jump into the deep end and do it full time. And I can't believe it's been three years since then. But why I say it's been like a lifelong lifetime journey is because of my upbringing. So I'm born and raised in Vancouver. And my dad is actually fifth. Well, on my dad's side, I'm fifth generation Canadian. Uh, He was born in Montreal, and then his roots are in China. And then my mom, her roots are in Hong Kong. So as a Chinese Vancouverite, the Chinese side of me is like food is our love language. Like, yeah, we tell each other I love you is by giving food or asking, have you eaten yet? You don't really hear the words I love you like directly, but you, it's seen in acts of service. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then on the Vancouver side of my culture is that being in the outdoors, being in the midst of the very landscape where fresh food you know, it's not outsourced. It's really where you are already. So growing up, I went fishing all the time with my family and friends Be on the outdoors. Every um, every birthday of mine as a kid was actually spent on a little island shucking oysters. And that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. So I have this weird side of me that's just like, I love being outdoors and seeing mm. where food comes from and seeing in its natural habitat and trying fresh food as is rather than having it repurposed into something else like a few days later or something. That's amazing. Uh, I would have yeah. thought that you were into fishing at all, but that's really neat. I <laughs> Not that I, I did have... the fishing, but because I was too, <laughs> like I had no muscles back then. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, in the entirety of knowing you, I don't think I ever knew that you were going out fishing or shucking oysters at any point of time. <laughs> See? Who yeah. knew, right? I don't yeah, know. Like that that's awesome. So was blogging something that came to you naturally or was it something that you've always wanted to get into? Ah, good question. I don't think I ever knew that I would be able to do that with my life mm-hmm. as a kid. There was always that side of me that I did school, you know, I showed up and did class, but mm-hmm. nothing really made me come alive at that point. And I always wonder, I'm like, what am I supposed to do if I don't really like to do this naturally, you know, like go to math class, go to science. Um, I can always do those, but I never like, how do you say it? I never thrived in it. Mm-hmm. you know I can get the A minus B plus but I wouldn't go all my put all my effort into that mm-hmm. um, 
But when it came to visuals, like in when as a kid, I actually went to, I don't know if this helps, time second, grade 10 first. Grade 10 is where I started my first uh, media arts class. Okay. And that's really where it unlocked my potential to stay in that creative space for a little while longer mm-hmm. and have it as a structure where I get to be challenged and grow in that aspect. Um, and I did my concentration in architecture and cathedrals in uh, Europe. So I did travel with my family at some point during that year. And oh, I wow. fell in love with capturing that for my project. That's wow. incredible. So you started yeah. with um, architectural and media production and then you sort of moved forward into creating your content. Like what, what exactly. inspired you to create your own content? Oh man, that was like a random moment back in <laughs> my <laughs> grad year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. Also verging into first year of university. I was s- sitting, actually it's, it was a weirdly like ongoing conversation with my friends. So like you're posting a lot of food photos on your personal. I think this is a lot of where people start it from because it's not just like, let me make a food count just for yeah. the sake of it. Uh, it's like your friends observe where you naturally, what you naturally post and then they encourage you towards that direction. Mm-hmm. That was it for me. They're like, hey, why don't you just make a food page? And I said, hey, why not? Like, I, yeah. I guess I do it quite often naturally. Um, mm-hmm. And at that, that point, I searched up different handles and I was like, okay, Vancouver Foodie with a Y is taken. Vancouver Food Blog or Vancouver Food is taken. I guess I'll try this IE thing. And this sounds crazy because we literally live in the age of the IE, like the foodie with an IE. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have known that back then, right? I just mm-hmm. took a jump and next thing you know, one, two, three years later, it is like the word itself is wow. a trend. Yeah. Wow. Actually started that trend, hey? <laughs> I, it's, it's a miracle, to be honest. That's I always very say like, cool. even though I didn't know, like God knew way before I even knew. And he combined all my passions together my love for visuals and my love for food. And I get to do this um, and share my love for it with other people. That's awesome. Did you have any bloggers or vloggers that you looked up to for inspiration? Ooh, that was a good one. I did love watching the ones on YouTube, like the the top three uh, food bloggers. It's like Migrationology, Mm -hmm. Food Ranger, and Mikey Chen. I think they're just awesome at doing what they do. I love Mikey Chen. (laughs) You know, it's like approachable. They're both, all three are very approachable people. Yeah. Mm Um, and they prioritize educating people um, and bring them into that experience. So that's why I think that's what carried over into what I get to do today. That's awesome. And then did you ever think that your food blogging would ever get this big when you first started out? Never in a million years. And I would totally want to tell my like my younger self that, mm. hey, there is a space for what you were created to do. Because back yeah. then you're not taught that, hey, you can be creative as your as your job, you know, (laughs) you're taught to go into university and go for solder, go for science, go for engineering. And if you can't do it, I guess go into arts and explore trying to get into those. Um, But I don't know, a part of me has always thought in hindsight, in a sense, either through my seven-year-old self or other people that have gone before me, where Mm -hmm. they spend their whole lives doing something that they didn't they knew somehow in the back end that didn't really align with them. Yeah. And then that helped me decide, for example, oh, two critical moments I would say in my university years is deciding what major I was going to do. And also when mm-hmm. I was graduating, what job I was going to do. Yeah. So I studied sociology and minored in law and society. Okay. Meanwhile, all my friends were doing business and science and engineering, <laughs> which was <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> and I had a breakdown moment in my first year university dorm. I remember with my friends, I was like, 
I don't know why I'm choosing this, but I love it. But it's scary because no one else is doing it. And I keep on being told this is not, you're not going to get a job with this. But yet I was like, I love it a lot. And I love big picture and understanding why things are the way they are. And then applying it from learning that people who have graduated and worked really hard in those other things ended up doing other jobs that have no no relation to their job or their, how do you say it, their degree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so powerful and so inspiring as well, because I know that Rithu and I have spoken about this in our previous episodes about um, you know, education and coming out of university and like being so scared about applying for jobs and not mm-hmm. knowing where the next step is to take afterwards. And, you know, having that sort of just being worried about the future and not knowing what lays ahead of us because I, you know, I did um, English Lit and I currently have a job that's completely unrelated to that. Yeah. So, you know, y- you can take whatever direction life takes you and it can be completely different from what you studied. And yeah, I think that's really quite amazing that you took it into your own hands and was just like, you know what, I'm like, I'm going to be creative and I'm going to do this rather than having like, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, being an engineer or a doctor or like, you know, being in solder, like you had you wanted your own way and you decided that you wanted to be a creative and be a food blogger. And that's where it took you. And you do that full time now, which is pretty incredible. Totally. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) No. What I was just going to say is uh, this actually brings me to like how I got to know Emma or like know of her. Mm -hmm. I heard about Emma through my friend Chantel, my best friend Chantel, who I've literally been friends with since like childhood. We've known each other since Mm -hmm. I was 12. And, um, you know, she, she, knew Emma through through school and when the first instance of me knowing Emma was when she was part of this contest Um, and I literally Chantel was like please post about this everywhere vote for her every single day (laughs) (laughs) Um, and she was just like she's like you you have to you have to do it so that she wins and then Emma what happened I won. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That was crazy time, by the way. How did you get into this? And like, what were the experience that came out of this um, winning this award? So this, com- it was like a contest slash competition made from our uh, Chinese restaurant awards, which is based here. Okay. And it's with Hong Kong Tourism Board and HK Airlines. And they want to do this thing where they um, send a foodie uh, to Hong Kong to explore mm-hmm the food scene there and to educate people about it and to showcase experience. And it was a seven day process of voting. And I'm going to tell you, like, this is my grad year of university. (laughs) I think it was like February or something like that. And it was grad photo week. Okay. My face was so tense that I couldn't even (laughs) smile properly. And I had to retake photos. That's how like stressed out I was. Oh, no. (laughs) Because every single day you're like pretty much campaigning for election. Um, so that's why, for example, Chantel's like, you have to vote, like tell more friends because it is a voting based rather than just like, oh, if you get chosen, you get chosen kind of scenario mm-hmm. uh, down to the point where the last very day or actually the last hour, it was a hundred vote difference. And I had wow. an auntie even in Toronto up late, like that's three hours ahead of us, right? It's three or five. Oh man, I don't even remember. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> three hours ahead. Thank you, Rithu. Um, and she was calling friends all across the world just to help me like keep up in the race. It was insane. So even in that process, I got to see community like none other. I obviously did not walk into there alone winning that thing. And I was like, I got to do people justice. Like they need to know what's going on in this trip. And mm-hmm. I think that tripped 
opened up my eyes and opened up channels that I never knew I was capable of doing. And it's not until these opportunities are presented to you and you like choose to say yes to it and go all out and invite people into the process that you get to see your potential. So for me, that potential was, okay, I have the potential to travel and to showcase the goodness of what is abroad and to invite people behind the scenes where they normally don't get access to. Mm-hmm. And that meant me being able to interview uh, Michelin star chefs or wow. like high-end chefs that probably don't have time for you know customers on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Like I walked into one of the kitchens at Mot 32 where there were the first location is there now they've expanded all across the world yeah there's but, one here in uh vancouver by the trump tower i think yeah it's located yeah. in there <laughs> odd location but great food but and beautiful space we got mm-hmm. to give them that and the chef wow I, I actually this is the chef that i still keep in contact whenever he comes in vancouver we touch base and see how each other's doing this guy is he's a gem the way he commands the room like he walks into the kitchen and all his his chefs, there was like 30 in there. They like stop and watch and observe him. And it's not that he has this commanding kind of ego. It's mm-hmm. that he's actually very soft and gentle and humble that actually invites them to be in that space to be like, wow, we get to cook with him. We get to mm-hmm. work with him. And I got to sit down and get to know him and how he gets started. That this network of food and chefs is beyond just me. Yet I get to be a vehicle to amplify their voices mm-hmm. to everyone else. Oh, awesome. That's really cool. Was that your first time traveling to Hong Kong? I wish it was because that would have been an epic first time, but <laughs> my mom is um, born uh, in Hong Kong, so I get to travel from time to time uh, okay, throughout excellent. my childhood to visit relatives. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I was just wondering if you had any other like, you know, interesting traveling experiences that you had with being a food blogger. Yes. So mm-hmm. because I was able to do I guess an awesome job with that one in Hong Kong. I've been able to continually work with Chinese Restaurant Awards here in Vancouver. Okay. I'm really good friends with the the lady Ray here who heads it up and organizes everything. And last year, us two, because the first one I went by myself, but last year we went together and we went to Shanghai, Suzhou, and Hangzhou, three places in China. And it was insane. So remember that chef I just talked about in Hong Kong? He ended up connecting us to all these other chefs in these places that we were like, how did we end up here? Like, <laughs> there's this one chef, like Chinese food consultant that every single person knows that wherever we went and we, we said, oh, we're meeting up with him. They're like, what? You get to meet up with him? That's awesome. <laughs> They're like, this is epic. And, you know, you, you build up the anticipation for when you meet this guy, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was able to meet him, I realized, I was like, who am I to be sitting beside this guy? <laughs> who is like, let's just say a food god in China. <laughs> and yet I'm just hanging out with him. And then he invited us to a dinner with his other chef friends after our main our meal at his restaurant that had 10 courses already. Wow. Uh, like I said, Chinese culture. Food is a love language. <laughs> That's so um, true. But when we got to this meal with him, with his friends, who this guy was is that his chef friend from a different region of China it's like a 10 person table. He got up from one side of the table, took up the teapot and literally went to the other side to his cup and poured it for him. Wow. And I was like, I've never seen this kind of service in my life from a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Why I talk about how amazing meeting these chefs is and also learning about different cultures and what it looks like to be a chef in a different place is to see how they interact with each other. 
And what I see is unity in a different way that I've never seen. It's this respect for each other that's like, they only speak highly of each other. I've never mm-hmm. heard anything negative from the other. And I guess that's also comes with Chinese culture. It's like you you have to respect your elders and you respect other Absolutely. people. And you see the goodness and you only promote yeah. those things. Yeah, I guess it definitely gives you like a, a different appreciation for the food that's that's created before you, right? Mm-hmm. So it like gives you like a whole other experience, like seeing the people behind creating these dishes and this almost art, right? Pretty incredible. Did you have any like um, challenges while you were traveling there or during your experience as a food blogger? That is so funny. Makes challenges language. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My goodness. I actually grew up going to Mandarin school and Cantonese school. But when you speak different language, you have to get into the rhythm of it, like practice it. Oh, man, it disappears. And like for me, I was trying to listen and they go really fast. So I was trying to listen and process it and then low key, like translate in my head to Canto. Mm-hmm. and then translate it into English. And then oh, by the no. time I translated, I was like, okay, I've definitely missed like 10 other sentences. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I totally identify with that. Because in India, like there are 40 plus languages. So when you go from state to state and you you have to speak a completely different language. So when yes. when I lived there, obviously I was so fluent in the in the mother tongue and English and all the other languages that were there. But then whenever I've spent a long period of time away. So I think the last time I went was in 2018. I pretty much, it was the first time in eight years that I'd gone back to India. Um, wow. And I, and I speak, I speak uh, Malayalam, which is my, my language with my parents quite mm. frequently at home, but nice. then to speak it in the depth and the, yeah. you know, <laughs> the complexity <laughs> of speaking with the people there. Um, and then also going to another state where I did know the language, which is Tamil, and then not being able to completely grasp everything. It just, you just want to kick yourself. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, you just have flashbacks of all the times that you should have <laughs> like invested a bit more time yeah, into totally. learning and practicing. Yeah, the, yeah. It just teaches us that the world is much bigger than what we think it is. And to be able to explore and dive into the depths of it is like, it's, it's a whole new, it, I don't even know how to say it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Were there any surprises that um, sort of jumped out at you? Like any sort of foods that you just never tried before while, while you were traveling away? Ooh, yes and no. Yes. In the sense, or I guess for this trip or in general, I guess for these trips that you had. Yes. In the sense that I've gotten to taste the best of what a dish could be. I never knew what it was like to taste something that made you question all the other times you've had it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that that was possible until you, like Ruthu said, when you go into the the depths of the complexities of what something can be, when you get to that place and you you taste and see the goodness of something, you realize, wow, I've been eating it wrong the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> like, this is actually how it's been supposed to be. But I guess I've been settling for less than because that's all I could have yeah. um, mm-hmm. this whole time. And I, how I can explain that is I went to uh, Hangzhou and it was Four Seasons Hotel. And this dim sum is like every single bite I had, I was going to cry. Like, <laughs> I want to experience that. So I want to experience that too, actually. <laughs> right? It's not often that food, well, food obviously makes you feel a lot of emotions and mm-hmm. it brings a lot to you. But tears, like it bringing you to that place of, wow, this can be so good. Mm-hmm. I think recently I watched a video with Mikey Chen and he was saying that 
if you're having a bad day or you're not having a great time, or maybe you're, you're burdened with something, having a bite of something so good can really bring you out of that place. Yeah. I think that's where comfort food comes from because like even a small thing, like, okay, like mac and cheese, perhaps like when you're feeling super down or like a bowl of, you know, warm soup, it just makes you feel a whole lot better because you're really enjoying what you're eating. And it could just change your and uplift your spirits at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Comfort food. Oof. That's yeah. a whole nother thing. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really miss dim sum. I think that's definitely one of the top places or like top foods that I would love to eat again when the pandemic is over. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm really craving it. I'm so tired of my like, you know, one pot pasta over here. So <laughs> I'm just ready to have like the ladies come over in like their little trolleys with their dim sum. Oh my sum. gosh, Golden Ocean has like so yeah. many amazing little oh, like so dim good. sum carts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a whole experience, I'm telling you. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine what uh, you know the dim sum and the food would be like in in China. That'd be incredible. Yeah, I hope you two get that opportunity one day soon. Soon, hopefully soon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> when we get to travel again, we'll we'll hit it up <laughs> for yeah, sure. Exactly. Annika and I have been meaning to take a trip for quite some time. Hey, Annika. <laughs> yeah, Epic. I know. We were like planning on travel, traveling together and then the the pandemic hit. So yeah. maybe next year. Maybe next reroute, year. Reroute. Yeah, we just thought it would be a good idea to talk a little bit about the Vancouver food scene and how food impacts or influences culture as well. So question for you, just like an open discussion. How do you think food has changed within Vancouver? Ooh, An example might be like with the Richmond Night Market or with like Greek Mm -hmm. Day on Broadway or like the Italian Cultural Day at the Italian Cultural Center. Yes. Um, with like more of <laughs> more more of kind of like a broad kind of openness towards different cultural foods within Vancouver and restaurants. Yes. So definitely Vancouver food scene is always adapting to the different people that come into our space, which I think is incredible. Like I was just thinking that, for example, when you're not in Vancouver and you go outside, you're usually tasting a few specialty dishes in each place. Mm-hmm. Yet when you come back to Vancouver, you're like, I get to taste, I get a taste tester of every, almost every single thing or every single cuisine. So somehow. True. <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel like there's an abundance of like, you know, there's dim sum, there's cold tea restaurants, there's, you know, a lot of South Asian food places like those oh, um, places. Uh, am I right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, but factory, <laughs> Bob likes Thai food. Um, East, East Indian or like East is East Indian and banana. Yes, ladies, you know, yeah. and then we have like Asian marketplaces like TNT, which is pretty yeah amazing if you ask me like I feel it's like huge and more um but I feel like <laughs> as a multicultural hub Vancouver takes really great pride in its diversity when it comes to Asian food and other cultural foods as well it 100% does and I love that like we get those those how do you say it Richmond Night Market Italian Greek you know those food days that celebrate it Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes, oh, actually, like in elementary school, I don't know if you had this as well, but we had multicultural days where we oh, all. Oh, I totally had those, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for me, I brought things that you would eat in Chinese New Year, 
even though maybe not a lot of people ate it not gonna lie <laughs> they're probably like what is this gooey brown thing um but at the same time it taught us that we get to bring our unique culture to the table and that it's mm-hmm. valued and we get to share in that together like I think what you learn in elementary school and what they choose to have as programs is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely remember having that back in Singapore. We had it. Um, it was called UN Nights. And mm. so there will be this huge food festival where we'll come around and like you have these oh, the hundreds of kids with their Tupperware just ready to yes. stuff them and <laughs> go to these different tables and each table would be like a different country. You know, I would probably bring the the schutzbulle from like Swedish meatballs, right? Nice. And that's there will be other people and like there are different tables. Like you have the little, um, I don't know, Danish donuts um, and mm. then things from like spring rolls from Vietnam, for instance. And then you would have these different tables with different foods. And that was just such a, a cultural experience from such a young age. And I think that's so, that definitely helps with like bringing it forward to, uh, to an international hub and like just having a better understanding and appreciation for food and different cultures. Totally. I just remember I like even adding on to your list of options that you had at yours. I love that. Um, I remember having this one table in the multicultural lunches, like mm-hmm. they had raclette. Oh, yum. Those smart people would know that that is the golden table. Mm-hmm. Like Nowadays, we're like, oh, my gosh, raclette. So new, so innovative. And I was like, yo, let me tell you back then, that was the hidden gem. You had raclette in the gym room? Yeah. <laughs> That that shit is pretty stinky, but like it's so good. It's though. just extra stinky because so it's in the in the gym now. That's why all the kids, you don't know any better. You just run away from stink. But like yeah. you know, the, the the foodies underneath are like, this is it. Two tickets, I'm down. And everyone's just like, are those gym socks? And you're like, no, it's it's. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome. Like I remember back home, um, in high school, we had a whole tandoori um oven as well. So we'd have butter oh, chicken, wow. we'd have naan. The best thing. It was so great. <gasps> I think like if you start from an early age and you just you know be open to these other foods and other experiences and you just open Mm. yourself up and keep your mind open I think that's it really opens you up to different foods and cultures so yeah I think I also think that food is actually such a great way to kind of introduce culture to young people Mm -hmm. um just from like a from a standpoint for me like obviously I I moved around a fair bit so I got to experience my fair share of new foods mm-hmm. um but you know basically seeing it from a very young age and interacting with all these different cultures and foods and learning about cultures through food was a way for me to learn and appreciate more about the culture so these like mm-hmm. multicultural days that we had we were just obviously it was food but food brings people together right yeah. mm-hmm. so I just I felt like it was just one of those ways to get to know and share experiences with others through something that they can taste and actually firsthand experience, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I think it was a huge, I would say culture shock, but my boyfriend recently came to Singapore um, and it was his first time visiting Asia and coming to Singapore. And so, you know, we had to bring him to a hawker or food place and to mm. let him try different types of food. And so there were so many different types of things that he just never had before. We sat him down. He had durian for the first time. Oh, he hated that. Fave. He absolutely like despised it with a oh, burning I hate, passion. I hate durian. <laughs> I'm, I'm, with, durian. I'm with your boyfriend on that. <laughs> Another thing that smells like gym socks. Um, yep. <laughs> actually, I don't. I don't mind the taste of it too much. It's not that bad. It's like it's just very filling, you know. Yeah, it is. It, it you have to grow into it. I didn't like it when I was a kid, but over time, I don't know. Things change. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, palettes change too. Um, definitely an acquired taste, not for yeah. all. And then he also tried uh, Sunball Stingray as well. So he absolutely loved that. So I think he definitely had a different, uh, a more of an appreciation to an openness to to foods and Asian foods. Because I think he was a little bit stingy with foods before, but now that he's tried a few things here and there, he's like, you know what? I want to, I miss these types of food. Like I really, really yeah. look forward to these types of food whenever I, if I go back again. So totally. Um, are there any sort of cuisines that you wish you saw more of here locally in Vancouver? Ooh, Ooh I actually have one for sure. Yes, go um, for it. Like, like West Indian, Caribbean, or like Ooh, Ethiopian yeah. food, like more African food. Totally, I, I was to totally going to say that. Um, nice. Because like, there's this one place on Commercial Drive called Harambe. Harambe. Um, and they, they have like, honestly, it's so good. Like their food is so, so good. Another place that I would recommend too is, well, in terms of like West Indian or like Caribbean food, the Reef on, mm. I think it's on Maine. Is it they on have Maine? a food truck, right? I think they do. do they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think they do. Um, so the reef is one and then um also Calabash, which is actually in Chinatown. So it's very close mm. to I've been meaning to go there. I've never been, but I've heard really, really good things about it. Like yeah. not from you, but like from five other people. And they said like yeah. it's really good food. You gotta check it out. Yeah. Mm. Uh one of the things there that is my favorite, dark and stormies are my favorite cocktails ever. Mm. And um they have dark and stormies made in house at Calabash that the ginger beer is like made in house. And oh, it it tastes so good. so good. It is so good, and I would Say definitely less. recommend. I'll be there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you when said all over. We'll be there. We'll be yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think for me, I had a little think about that. I think, especially coming from Singapore, I think Peranakan or Nanya cuisine. I haven't really seen any Peranakan places around in Vancouver, and uh, just to give like a little um like a little background, um, Peranakan is originated from an Indonesian, like Indonesian and Chinese migrants that resided along mm. the Malay Peninsula. And I think also from the Indonesian archipelago. So it's around places like Penang, Singapore and Malacca. Mm. But um, yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of restaurants that have that locally. I think maybe banana leaf, you know, they have like beef rendang, but I think and laksa, but I think that's about it as far as it goes. But um, mm. I think that's why I say that Vancouver is a place where it's your taste testing. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you go out there, you will have like the best of the best. Whereas yeah. for here, it's like, okay, this is, you know, oftentimes it's immigrants, you know, maybe they couldn't get the job that they wanted. So therefore they end up reverting to, hey, let me just make my home food for you. Mm -hmm. Not that saying it's not the best of the best, but it is comfort food. It is. Yeah. So you end up tasting like, and you have to meet also like I think the Vancouver palette, which sometimes you have to adapt to. That's what I find when I talk to different right. restauranteurs and mm -hmm. they say we had to adapt to like the Vancouver taste buds a little bit what? more. So you end up compromising a bit on the authentic extremity. Yeah. Emma, I'm actually curious, like what what were some of the things that they said about the Vancouver taste buds? What did they say that people were looking for more? So people like, how do you say it? <laughs> they don't like as too spicy, like mm -hmm. it needs to be tamed a bit more. So for example, like laksa will just be a little bit of sambal or like some, a little bit of, it's not too much of the flavor that you might get in Singapore, right? Mm -hmm. yeah no I think that's very true I think after living like more coconut milk or something yeah yeah just sort of to make it not bland but just to level or let the um not take the spice 
um, like make it too empowered, you know, like you have something else other than the spice to, to give you that flavor as well. But yeah, I think after living in Vancouver for such a long time, I think my, um, spice tolerance has gone down quite a bit. And then every time I go back home, it's just, oh my goodness, I'm just sweating buckets. Exactly. It's like a middle space, I would say. So everyone has to sort of like bring it down a level if they have it too intense where they normally have it. Right. And then if it's too bland, you also get a few complaints. So it is like this, you have to adjust accordingly. But I appreciate that actually in Vancouver, when you ask the customers, hey, what do you think? They actually give you feedback. And I think I I quite enjoy that kind of um, back and forth. Yeah. Are there any new restaurants in Vancouver that you're dying to try or check out that you haven't yet? Ooh, I have an ongoing list. I think I, love that, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can divulge that just yet. Ooh. <laughs> Wait, do you have the ins on some restaurants that Ooh. we don't know about? How can I say this? I have to do my job well to do this oh. full time. So I do have to to do my own little research. That's actually what I spend a lot of my time doing is diving to the depths of what is available. And like, I love doing my research and seeing what is not out there yet. And how can I best understand and inform myself of it first before even showcase and tell people about it because I have to do my due diligence with the voice I carry so it's a whole process well (laughs) let us know if you have any food recommendations down the line Emma can neither confirm nor deny the awesome food that she is researching currently (laughs) but I'm doing my due diligence I can tell you that that's awesome I think it'd be really great to just discuss COVID impacting food and how that's been changing over the past few weeks. Because mm-hmm. um, I like I'm so exhausted and I'm so tired of eating takeouts. I really miss <laughs> eating out with friends. Me too. Me too. Like, I really miss just interacting and having a drink and sitting by the patio and just you know enjoy talking to friends and and not wanted plastic the- containers and have them stack up <laughs> in your kitchen. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the things that Annika and I used to do quite often was like we would just have one on one dinners where we would like go and try new places or just like, Mm. you know, go and spend some time together, have a meal and just like just catch up. Mm. And now not even being able to have that opportunity kind of it just it sucks. (laughs) There's nothing more that we can say. But I honestly, in realistically speaking, I much rather sacrifice that now in the interim. Um, Yeah to yeah. you know help the bigger cause long term right for sure yeah in, sure. in good time I know that we're in phase three at the moment and I know already that some food places downtown in Yaletown and in some places downtown and even around on Main Street as well they're slowly opening up their doors um, and patios for people to come by and sit and eat but mm-hmm. yeah, in due time we'll we'll get there eventually yeah but- the regulations right now um is like the dine-in has to be limited to 50% capacity. Right. Um, and they, I think they're required to wear masks and gloves and they have to definitely be two meters apart. Like, I guess that kind of makes sense at the end of the day uh, for them to open up. But think about it. Like they actually had to cut off so much of their staff Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had that overhanging rent over their heads and Vancouver yeah. rent is like insane yeah it's just yes. outrageous like I can't even imagine how many small businesses have lost their jobs due to the pandemic and you know I can definitely see in the near future that downtown areas like maybe Gastown where it's super expensive for rent that some of these places will be vacant just because they couldn't afford those places during the pandemic mm-hmm 
you lose almost some of the mom and pops and then the franchises take over exactly but how how has covid impacted you personally and your food blog good question (laughs) so my first week or so like i was not in the best mood (laughs) in the sense that i'm like i want to oh just kidding i can't go out i want (laughs) to i can't and you like fight all those usual tendencies to go out explore hang out with friends uh, but you're just constantly being shut down because it's it's a mandatory restriction. You cannot mm-hmm. you simply cannot go out anymore. So I think the first week was tough because of my regular like day to day is going out and exploring. But it has definitely I sat and reflected a bit more of like okay this is why I do what I do is to actually meet people where they're at and be able to provide means for them to look forward to something. And for me, that something is food. So in what ways can I meet the need now since it has shifted and not just jump ship? So for me, it's rerouting to obviously the big word takeout um, and finding out options for them, finding out what's happening uh, in terms of which restaurants are available, what Mm -hmm. awesome combos have they come up with or packages have they come up with for them to look forward to something unique. So for example, I recently posted about a $30 lunchbox from Sushi Nova, which I ended up finding after scrolling for like a whole hour and Mm -hmm. looking, researching for so Ruthu knows this. I actually order food for my brother and my dad because they have mandatory work um, <laughs> as accountants. And okay. I was like, oh, why don't you just allow me to order food for you for um, nice. delivery so that mm. I, you guys get to have fun? So I every day I ask them, what are your cravings? And then I order accordingly. Um, so that day they're like Japanese food. And then I ended up stumbling upon this random combo box I would have never explored because it's all mm-hmm. menus, right? My job is now looking at menus all the time. Yeah. And that's how I got to stumble upon these little cool finds that I might have not normally stumbled upon. And then also rerouting to recipes, what people can do with their hands at home. Like, how can you make the most of your time at home? Because if you're bored, you're going to be scrambling for finding something to do. So how can I make uh, recipes accessible to you or content that, for example, the boba video, I went out of my way to go find something that people love, uh, which Mm -hmm. is boba, brown sugar boba, and find the places where they have it and then help them explore beyond maybe just that one option so that they have fun with it too, right? Just beyond that one item. We got to explore five different items in the process. So it's really caused me to allow myself to embrace what I get to do Mm -hmm. and also be okay with adapting and changing along the way because everyone else has to in their own jobs anyway. But I just got to do my justice for those who do follow me. <laughs> yeah, I, I found myself baking a lot of banana bread. And when I mean a lot, like, I mean, <laughs> so just I think it was last week, I had a friend who broke up with his girlfriend and he lives really Oof. close to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make you some banana bread. I didn't I didn't tell him that. But I was like, in my heart, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make Ooh. him banana bread. Yes. And that never really happened because I just ate it all within oh a week. Goodness, you're so hilarious. I, I didn't tell him that, but he doesn't need to know. Well, he's going to know um, now. <laughs> it's, it's the thought that counts, right? So <laughs> yeah. Have you have you made any foods at home? Like have you made any breads? I know breads are huge right now. I haven't been able to find yeast recently in the grocery stores. What yeah. a great question, right, Emma? <laughs> yeah. Ruthu, you want to give it a swing? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, so a lot of you probably know slash are aware of this, but 
Uh, I actually work with Emma to help edit her YouTube content. So I do. Yeah. So I do a lot of the kind of video editing for the stuff that she's working on. So right now she she's posting a lot of recipes on YouTube. So you should go check that out for sure. Um, And her most recent video, she made focaccia bread, which is delicious Um, it looks amazing and there's so many other cool videos that emma's putting out in terms of making recipes and it honestly i wanted to bake bread after that point you should nothing's awesome by the way is an amazing (laughs) editor might i plug that in as well like (laughs) blessing in disguise i didn't know like i've always wanted to do youtube okay people say oh why don't you just make longer form videos i love your instagram stories and i mean i guess it's 15 seconds at a a time right snippets um and i guess longer form video was something that came naturally but i hated editing and then i shared that at the panel that we were panel yes right And then Mm -hmm. afterwards, she's like, hey, uh, I've done some editing. Can I give it a swing? And I was like, well, if you, you know, if you want to give it a go, why not? (laughs) And that was literally an answer to my prayers. So Ruthie, thank you for all that you do for me. Oh, I I love working with you. I think we've worked on like six videos so far, which is crazy to think that it's like been six videos that I've worked with you on. But yeah, I, I think that you're you're making a lot more kind of pivoting in your work because of COVID right now is just to like focus on creating more original content that people would find valuable and useful during this time where they feel like they're locked in at home and just kind of with nowhere to go and nothing to do but why not like do something to improve a skill and take your mind off of what's going on in terms of Mm -hmm. the pandemic right yeah totally And even to answer the question from Annika about the bread part, <laughs> adding on from the focaccia yeah. <laughs> and adapting like how I'm creating this content is mm. obviously there's a lot of videos that tell you how to make bread. But I was like, how do I make it? How do I make um, a recipe and also the means for how to communicate it in a way that helps people that have never baked bread, aka like me? I didn't know that <laughs> I would be able to do it. But I was like, if I need to make the jump, I need to make sure that I've other people that are in my position that are fearful of it can make the jump. So I ended up spending hours on end researching different recipes, maybe like testing a few different uh, options out. And therefore, if I need to make it make sense for the beginner. That's awesome. Like I, I honestly feel inspired to bake bread right now to do it. Cause like I, I've never made bread before in my life. And I actually just made, um, well, or attempted to um, chocolate chip cookies over the weekend, Ooh, but it just ended yeah. up being one entire flat sheet of one <laughs> one rectangular chocolate chip cookie. Um, and it, so I just funny. had to throw it out. Oh, you didn't um, eat it? I, I actually cut it up and I'm still eating it at the moment. I just like packed it up. <laughs> See, that's what naturally. I like here. No waste. Yeah. No waste. Still a cookie. It's just one large cookie rather than like I baked 20. a cookie. <laughs> I baked a cookie. cookie. Have you found that, um, you know, with helping these small businesses, well, I guess maybe I answered my own question, but (laughs) do you think COVID happening and the pandemic happening that you were able to help these small businesses in need and help them, you know, take their business a little bit further? I would say so in some ways. Yeah, I guess that's not the first thing that comes to mind, but I think that's also the fuel that does keep the engine going in a sense for why I do what I do. The reality of the food industry is that they don't make a lot of money after all the costs, all the rent, mm-hmm. all the supplies, and then right. the staffing. They don't walk away with much. It's mainly a passion-based industry. Even, for example, when it comes to finances, like most of my finances that I make is not even from restaurants. It's from working with bigger brands like mm-hmm. McDonald's. 
right Google okay. or yeah you were at McDonald's recently hey yeah I'm yeah. on their team team McD's I'm on their um their <laughs> roster for the year wow. so no way. that's a fun one get free McNuggets or fries in a sense I guess with each pet campaign sign <laughs> me up <laughs> I'll let you know next time. <laughs> Sounds good. And has the pandemic impacted your ability to travel like you were before previously? 1000%. <laughs> Both personally and I think for work. So I was going to go visit my friend in the Caribbean, but wow. end up having to ca- like cancel one week before that. Oh, oh no. wow. And I don't think I got the full refund. It's one of those things where it's like you either get like some credit. I, I think a lot of listeners also have that if they were planning on it. So yeah. we're on the same boat. Definitely is something oh, I miss so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't I mean, we, we all? Miss it too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I was planning on going to New York this month, like in mm. June. And New York is the hotbed of COVID. Oh, so yeah. I cannot go there. It is a um, breeding ground for... Yeah. My friend moved out of New York she was working there oh, wow. and she had to move back here because of how intense it was. Wow. No. Is she okay? Is she safe? She is. She is. Yeah. Okay. And all her coworkers actually end up leaving New York for a bit too. Wow. Yeah. Just the situation down there is just, you know, it's, it's not the safest at the moment. So yeah. I'm glad that she was able to come back home. Population yeah. density, like yeah. it's a concrete oh, jungle. And yeah. When you only have concrete in that space, like you don't have too much freedom yeah. to be and breathe properly. Yeah. And pretty much everyone's mm-hmm. stacked on top of each other as well. Unfortunately. I guess we can definitely move on to some of our questions from our listeners at the moment, because I think that sort of ties in nicely with what one of the questions were. So what would be the first place that you'll travel to after the pandemic subsides? Either for work or, you know, for leisure, either or. Wait, can I answer this question too? Oh my God, yeah. Go for it. (laughs) Okay, no, Emma, you go first. (laughs) Okay, I was actually going to plan. I was originally going to go to the UK for my friend's wedding in July. No, actually September. It was originally July and then moved to, I was going to visit them in September. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I went on exchange to Manchester and I just created a community there that I love so much and I wanted to visit back then. So it's more of a personal one on that end. But I still haven't actually been back to Europe since four years ago when I did wow. go on exchange. It's wow. a long so time. Interesting. I know. And it was this was before I did full time. I think the mindset and the approach of how I would travel there would also change mm-hmm. a bit. A second place I would want to go to, even though I just went, is Korea again because of all the K-dramas that I've started to watch. <laughs> Anyhow. But other than that, that's me. How about you with Ruth? Well, so aside from New York, because New York has really good pizza. Um, I know mm. I said pasta earlier, but like, I also okay love now. a good pizza, you know, you know. So the plan was to go to Greece at some point. Mm. Um, and your girl mm. loves Greek food. Like I Ooh, love noted. Greek food. And so it was just one of my, I was supposed to go to Greece with a bunch of friends in high school for a Europe trip that we were doing. And I never got the opportunity to actually go. So going to Greece was on my on my bucket list for a very long time. So that's definitely on there. Like Santorini? Oh, yeah. Or Mykonos. Uh, Ooh. I'm going to take a ton of photos. I'm so envious because I've never <laughs> been before. But those places look stunning. Like well, maybe honeymoon we can material. go together. We'll go for a honeymoon. Pants. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, 
I was meant to visit my grandparents because I haven't seen them like on my dad's side. I haven't been able to see them for about maybe four years. And they just moved from Switzerland to just outside of Nice in France. And apparently um, I was just talking to my parents on FaceTime this past weekend and they said that the lavender fields, they're finally blooming and they're in blossom right now. So now would have been the perfect time to go there and just experience that and see my grandparents and see how they're doing, you know, overcoming the the COVID world right now. I'll be my top place to visit. And then on the DL, me and my boyfriend are currently discussing maybe going to Kauai or Maui later on, Ooh, way, way later on this year. Or... <laughs> it's yeah, not on the deal, deal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, not on the deal Exposed. anymore. <laughs> Exposed. Maybe like start of next year or like during Christmas this year, if oh, things man. turn okay. out to be a lot better. Oh, poke is so good. Oh, yeah. I have to have poke at least once or twice a week. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Another question that we have from our listener is, what is the strangest food you've ever tried? <laughs> we need to know. I we demand answers. <laughs> oh, man. I have to go down that abyss? Wow. I feel like I've blacked out all those memories. <laughs> Wait, were they really that bad? <laughs> Having war flashbacks. <laughs> oh, man. I Oh, I think I actually have blacked out with those memories. The only one that really comes up to mind right now is as a kid, I think my grandpa bought like frog legs. My Asian family, they're, I wouldn't say they're huge in frog legs, but it's definitely a delicacy back home. And so I've had it described as chicken before. Like it tastes like, like chicken, but I've, chicken. Yeah, yeah, I've never had it. But, uh, oh, I've also had chicken sashimi in Japan. I think that was also a weird one. That's weird. What? There's this one specialty place we went to for like a local chicken that they had and supposedly they are very like very strict regulations for how Mm -hmm. it's done and they only do yakitori which is sort of like the barbecue on the the Mm -hmm. charcoal like skewers in a sense and they did different parts of that chicken and like one of the starters was the sashimi because we were like oh we've heard that this is potentially edible here for you and bad for you But it's one one kind of people that I would probably trust for strict regulations on food. It would be yeah. Japan. So, yeah. well, they know how to like slice up blowfish really carefully, so it doesn't poison you. So, I think I would trust them quite a bit with that. Am I allowed to say that that chicken tastes like chicken? I'm totally kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything like, tastes though? like chicken these days, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's true. What about you, Ruthu? Have you tried anything strange? Or, um, I mean, I've tried a couple of things that are strange but actually the most recently well I mean I think I want to say Annika you go first blackout memories <laughs> yeah, I'm I am blacking out right now I think for myself it might have to be and this one was really good an alpaca burger Ooh, this one not so good um eating a guinea pig in Peru yeah it tasted I mean it tasted a bit like popcorn chicken from KFC. <laughs> so it wasn't, oh. it wasn't at all bad. I felt really, really guilty because I had a pet hedgehog at the time. So I was kind of like, I'm I'm eating distant cousin. So I felt really guilty about that. But um, I guess that's, it was the norm there to eat guinea pigs? It was, yeah. So they would have small guinea pigs running around. And I'd be like, oh, they're so cute. They're like, no, this is essentially like our staple. So it's oh, essentially wow. like how a chicken is for us or fish. Wow. So they would eat, yeah. I actually, this isn't bad. It wasn't bad. I actually remembered the weird thing or one of the weirdest things that I've ever eaten. I've had moose before. Moose isn't oh. like, it isn't that. Gamey? Yeah, it's gamey. Mm. It's, it would be like if you had deer or bison or something like that. Yeah. But it's, it's not bad, but it's like one of the strangest things I've had. 
Sounds pretty good, actually. Yes, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. (laughs) Finally, we just wanted to hear your top picks in Vancouver. Mm, So did you stay till the end? This is what you get. Yeah, (laughs) this is what you get. This is the this is the juicy little pieces of information Mm -hmm. that we've all been waiting for. Your inside look into (laughs) what's good in Vancouver. The inside scoop. So what's you guys also have to share? Okay. Oh, I'll try. You're pretty damn good at like food places. Like you're a huge foodie yourself. Yeah, I love food. Okay, so I I was actually going to bring this up earlier as like one of the one of the places I wish there was like more more restaurants that had this, but like French food. Mm. Um, And I don't I don't see a lot of like really good French food. But I also recently when I went to India that one time in 2018, I had a layover in Paris and I had like really good French food and obviously we have like the chain franchise places like Cafe Crepe and things like that but the one place that I would recommend that isn't necessarily it isn't necessarily like late night eats or like fast food but it's uh called Les Faux Bourgeois and it's on uh it's on like Fraser and Kingsway um near side Austere Yes, it is near Salvia Volpe. And there's like a straight out of Brooklyn near there and Sally Limon as well. It's like I went there, I want to say like maybe three or four years ago. And when I went, it was like so incredible. I think in total, like we paid $100 each and we had like a full meal. Yeah, it was like a full meal. It was like an anniversary thing. So we had like a full meal and the food was incredible. The portions were amazing, like massive. And they had like great wine. So the, the, Mm -hmm. the food also included drink. It was a steal. Like it was so good. I would definitely recommend people to go there because it is fantastic. They had just really good French food. I was going to talk about my favorite, my favorite spot in Vancouver, which is a French restaurant, Um, but it's St. Lawrence. Okay. And that's like Montreal kind of tinged oh. French food. Where is that located? Um, that's in Railtown. Okay. So like on the edge of Chinatown area. That, oh my goodness. They have the best pork chop ever. And they have like yeah. sort of like a cheesy mashed potato, palmalico oh. kind of thing. Oh, Ooh. anyways. Oh, I could go down that route, but <laughs> my tummy is gurgling right now. I know mine too. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know a lot of French places. I think Labattoir is one. I'm not too sure, but they have really good duck there. Um, And then Le Crocodile, I know is French, but oh, I haven't been there. But Le Crocodile yeah. is like expensive as hell. <laughs> I know. I heard. I heard it's really good, but I also have never been. So, yeah. <laughs> Ivor, if you're listening, that's <laughs> on date. not on the DL at the moment. No. <laughs> okay. One of the last few questions before we can all take off and go for dinner, because I know that you guys, you guys must be all so hungry right now. Um, what's your favorite dessert place in Vancouver? I know okay. it's a hard one. Two places that I really have been enjoying lately is passion gelato Mm. that spot oh my goodness their tiramisu and black sesame is out of this world if you order for takeout or delivery they have this like four for 50 so normally that's 15 per pint but if you order four as that combo i think at the end of the day you pay like 11 or 12 each so i think it's a really good deal and then my second one is my second one ironically is called the first dessert Uh, that one's like a uh, comfort food Chinese dessert shop. Well, I guess this concludes our interview. Yeah. Yay. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on, Emma. It was so Thank great so having you. Having you.
and like sharing your story as well, because I think a lot of people would love to hear more about this side of stuff and learn more about what it's like to just kind of strike out on your own and do the thing that Mm -hmm. you're passionate about. I'm glad to be able to share this side and for the opportunity to have that with you two ladies. Okay. Well, you can follow Emma at Vancouver Foodie on Instagram, YouTube as well. Do you have any other social media platforms that you're active on? TikTok, uh, dipping into that pool a little bit. Okay. <laughs> we can be, I love uh, it. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just going to the new, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. <laughs> if I'm on LinkedIn, just <laughs> Awesome. And you can follow us at Here to Shit Talk for more behind the scenes stuff. Cool. Thanks for and tuning in, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.